So good morning, church. How are you all? Very good. Very good. Thank you, team. You guys are amazing this morning, leading us into the presence of God. Well, church, last week, uh, Pastor Ben Teefy uh, was here, preached an incredible message uh, for all of the mighty men and women that we are and all that God has for us to do uh, for this time now and for all time to come. And he finished that message speaking about the beating of the sword, the forming of the sword, the fashioning of the sword, the Word of God in our secret place. And I was like, oh, what an awesome segue into my message for next week, which I have entitled, The Secret Place. And I am so keen to preach to you all this morning, to share with you the goodness of God, the amazing relationship that you and I get to have with God. It's not a distant relationship. It's not a God somewhere out there. It's a God in here dwelling among us and dwelling in us. There's a closeness, a closeness. There is an intimacy that we get to have, and it is a desire of God to be close to you. You know, the whole story, in the beginning, God created us because He wants us. He created human life so that He could dwell with us, so that He could have a family, so that He could have friends, so that He could commune with you and I. God created us and He wants the entire human race so badly that He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross to win us back to make a way for all of the stuff that we get up to, to be covered so that we can have relationship with Him. That's how much our God wants us. I'm going to dive into this today, into the secret place. What is the secret place? How do we access it? What do we do there? And how do we reap the rewards of our relationship with God? I want to pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, I pray, Lord, it is my prayer that it encourages us, let it inspire us, and God, help us to get closer to you. Help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen. All right, I want to start this morning in John chapter 17. That's a red letter chapter. And it says this from verse 20. Jesus said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've been given, sorry, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This chapter is entitled, probably in your Bible too, The Prayer of Jesus. A whole chapter that John recorded, obviously close enough to hear his friend praying, 
wrote it down so that you and I could be encouraged by the prayer of Jesus. If it's a prayer, that tells me that it is the desire of Jesus. It says to me that it is something that he wanted. Because when you pray, you are praying your heart's desire. You are talking to God. You are communicating with God. You're telling him, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. God, this is what's important to me right now. This is what I'm struggling with. Whatever it might be, it is coming from a desire within you that it's something that you want or something that you need. And so it's denoting to us through Scripture, being recorded as a prayer of Jesus, that He wanted this. And I love on that foundational thought, these couple of words that Jesus said. He said, God, I want the world to know, which means there is a hope that we already know this, but that He wants the world to know that the Father loves you and me, as much as he loves Jesus. That's the desire of Jesus, that let alone us, but that the world would know that the Father loves you and me as much as he loves Jesus. That's Jesus' desire. I love that. I love that Jesus desires that, that Jesus wants that for us, to know that our Father loves us that much. That's who our Father is, and that's who we serve. Even from that, I hope that today opens you up as I preach about this, to know that, hey, God wants you, and God loves you, and He so desires you. God desires open, loving relationship with you and me. What is prayer? Prayer is simply spending time talking to Jesus. That's all it is. Prayer is spending time talking to your Creator, your King, our God, the lover of your soul, the defender of your soul, your best friend, talking to Jesus. That's what prayer is. Don't you want to talk to someone you love? You know, prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer is not something that we can pull out in the heat of the moment and something's gone wrong in our life and we can pray and see something happen in that moment and that's what we use prayer for. Prayer is not a magic wand. It's actually way more powerful than a magic wand. Prayer is a weapon. It's the weapon of our warfare. Prayer is a spiritual tool that you and I have. Prayer is a double-edged sword. Prayer is taking the truth of the Word of God, speaking it out, declaring it out, and seeing something shift in a moment. That's what prayer can do. That's what prayer is. Prayer is spending time with our Father, and prayer is declaring the truth of the Word of God. If we, though, start to only pray when stuff goes wrong, or only pray in a moment of need, then what can happen without us even realizing it is we can actually develop this habit of a, so to speak, a magic wand, something that we only pull out when we're in a desperate need. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is spending time with Jesus. Prayer is also not meant to be a chore. 
I actually think that a lot of us don't pray because it, it, it's perceived as a chore. It's, oh man, I have to pray. And, the, and the, you know, there's this, these, these words that have been spoken out, you know, oh, you've got to pray for one hour every day. You've got to pray for one hour in the morning. And if you don't pray for one hour in the morning, you're a bad Christian. And that's just terrible. Well, I'm not sure that that's very true. And we start to think, oh man, I have to pray. I should be praying. Oh, I didn't pray today. And we start to feel bad. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is not meant to be a chore. Chores are chores. I mean, no one really likes chores. The, the worst of the chores is when chores are added to chores. When I was younger, and very naughty, I would have to do additional chores to my chores. The worst of them were washing walls, but even more than that, writing lines. Oh my gosh. Like, making a white wall white. I mean, like, honestly, washing this wall. Now, now, if you've got white walls at home, they're probably not actually white, are they? You, you walk up, you start looking, they're not white. I mean, unless they're freshly painted, but uh, they're not white. There's marks all over them, and you, you get up close, and you're like, oh, man, I thought it was white, but it's not actually white. Well, man, well, I was naughty or rude, or I was fighting with a sibling or something. Well, out came Jif, and wall scourers, and buckets, and water. I remember when I moved out and bought my first property and I had to go to the shops and I had to buy Jif. It was traumatic. It brought up trauma from my childhood. Jif, J-I-F. Oh man, it was awful. I, I hate the stuff. I hated that I had to buy it. I hated that I had to use it. It was awful because it was, every, every time I was naughty and I had to scrub a wall, but the worst of the worst was writing lines. Man, when the, it always came out if I was rude to mum. Fire and brimstone opened up. It's like, I, Joseph Fennell, will not be rude to my mother. I, Joseph, I'm not even going to bore you and make you listen to me say it twice. I mean, it's like, if I didn't have to do lines at school in detention enough, let alone having to do them at home, it was awful. So there you are, parents. There's some great additional chores that you can pass on. And uh, everyone who still has to listen to their parents at home, I apologize. But you know what? I had to go through it. So maybe we can suffer together. You know what's interesting, though? My dad never said to me, Joe, for your punishment, for being naughty, you have to come with me down to McDonald's and you have to spend one hour with me and you have to drink a nice iced frappe and you have to chat with me. It's never a punishment. It's never a chore. Spending time with dad was never a chore, ever. It was always fun. I mean, it, the, as a child, the more time I got to spend with dad... It was a bonus. It was a blessing. It was the best. Spending time with your dad is not meant to be a chore. It's meant to be something that daily you desire, daily you look forward to. So how can we spend time with God? Well, you're doing one right now. We have gathered. When two or three gather in his name, he will be there. So our king right now, my friends, is in the room. He is here with you. He is hovering over us right now, ministering to us. 
illuminating something that I'm saying so that it speaks directly to each and every single one of you. He is in the room. You are spending time right now with your God. You can also spend time with Jesus by reading the Word of God, simply by opening up the Bible and reading. John chapter 1 tells us that, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, verse 14, the Word became flesh. So if the Word was with God and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, well, Jesus was God who came, became flesh. So when you read the Word, you are spending time with Jesus. You can worship. Anywhere you can bust out your favorite Spotify playlist right now. I mean, I, I got so bored of worship now 2022. It's changed to worship now 2023 now. I just started highlighting all the ones I like, the loving, adding to my own playlist. And I created one called, called Joe's Worship. And then when I get bored of listening to Joe's Worship, I listen to Yavana's Worship. It's awesome. It's like, hey, Google, play Yavana's Worship on shuffle. And boom, it just starts worshiping. I just spend time with Jesus. You can do it in your car. You can do it in the shower. You can do it in the lounge room. Anywhere you can worship, you are spending time with Jesus. You can also pray. You can set aside some time on the way to work in the car or on the train. You can get up a little bit earlier and open up the Word of God that's sitting there on the breakfast bench to remind you to read it. And then you can read it and you can talk to God and just simply talking to Him. That is prayer. And that's the secret place. It's setting aside a moment of time to go into the secret place and to hang out with God, to talk to Him. You know, it's like our 9.30 a.m. prayer meetings here that we do every Sunday morning, our Monday night prayer meetings at 6 o'clock, or our, our midweek prayer meetings that we put on randomly and sporadically and spontaneously throughout the year to spend time together worshipping and praying to God. They are times when we go into the secret place. Prayer is not meant to be a chore. You know, when Jesus prayed, He wanted to. So much so that when the disciples saw him praying, they wanted to pray like him. And so Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. I, I love the language that Jesus prayed with that prayer. He said, our Father, give us, forgive us. I love that Jesus in that moment was teaching us to be inclusive in our prayers, to not say, oh, my Father, this is what I need and this is what I'm struggling with and please forgive me. No, it's please forgive us. I think if more of us spent time in our prayer time in our secret place praying for others, we'd probably actually engage in it a little bit more. I think we don't engage in the secret place, though, because of some of the stuff that goes on in our secret place that has pulled us away from God. Jesus said this, when you pray, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Remember the first time I understood that as a child, I wore underwear in the shower. Oh my God, God, you see everything? Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. 
Oh dear, that was a great revelation as a young man, a young boy at that point really. But this is talking about the secret place, to go away, shut the door, to pray. When we gather and pray, that's a corporate prayer. That's the army getting together and praying for things and praying for each other. And that's a good thing to do and we should do that and we have to do that. We need to do that. But even more important than that, God desires a beautiful intimacy. Time with just you. And He's jealous of it. He wants to have time with you. And so my first point for this morning, for this message is to go into the secret place. It's a common thread in Scripture to go, go into all the world. Tell the world the good news about being a child of God. Go, go away by yourself and pray. You know, the breakdown of relationship with anyone always starts with a lack of communication, expectations, unspoken expectations, lack of communication, lack of talking to that person. It's the same in our relationship with God. It's like marriage. You know, I have to choose to stay married to Yvonne. I have to choose to honor my vows every day. It's a choice. It takes maintenance. It takes effort to invest into my relationship with Yvonne. And isn't marriage a beautiful picture, the, the scriptures say, of us and God, the bridegroom and you and I, the bride of Christ. It's a picture. But as we start to not communicate, as we start to allow other things to pull our intimacy, intimacy away, we avoid going to the secret place because other stuff has started to consume the time that we could be spending with Him. What are we doing in the secret place that makes us avoid spending time with Jesus. You know, maybe it's become a place of sin rather than of beautiful intimacy. You know, maybe it's become a place of a passion for the flesh instead of a passion for the Spirit. The first one I think that we need to deal with is lust. Haughty eyes as the Old Testament, the old English language puts it. You know, lust is the first of the deadliest of sins. Why? Because it hurts us the most. Why does God hate these sins so much and why is lust the first one? Because of how it destroys us, how it destroys relationships. God doesn't like it. Pornography addiction. You know, stats from the most recent research state that the average age of boys and girls exposed to porn is 11 years old. 94% of all people have seen it by age 14. 68% of men who attend church watch porn on a regular basis. 33% of women, 25 and under, watch it at least once a month. 55% married men and 25% married women watch porn at least once a month. 87% of Christian women admit to having watched porn. It's damaging us. It's causing us to struggle. It's replacing an intimacy that God desires to have with you and I in the 
secret place, the private time, the time that we can set apart to have with God, let alone lust, lying, cheating, stealing, scheming, gossiping, and idolatry. This is the big one for our generation, idolatry. You know, we think we, think we are not worshipping other gods, but stuff creeps into our time at home. It creeps into our, our lunch breaks. It creeps into the time before and after work. The things that consume our time also start to consume our heart. What has your time also has your heart. What app gets opened the most on your phone? What gets spent the most time with in your home? These are the things that are becoming idols and strongholds in our lives. The things that start to rob, steal, kill and destroy what is meant to be a beautiful intimacy, to love God and to love your family, to love others, work, money, craving, desiring these things and chasing after the next paycheck so that we can have the next stuff, let alone realizing that it is robbing time that you could be spending with your family and you could also be spending that time with God, engaging in stuff that's going to have eternal value. Sport, TV, the next episode, tick, tick, tick. God hates these things that rob our intimacy with Him because of what they do to us. What has your time has your heart. It's like the first time I saw Yvana walking up the footpath. Long brown hair flowing. <laughs> the sun filtering through the leaves and just hitting her. Just that right way. For the first time in my life ever, my heart skipped a beat. She stole it. And you know what? She didn't even know it. Two years later, I decided to tell her how I felt. Two years later. Oh, man, holding on, waiting for that one. You know, this has been an issue since the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3, 8 to 10. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Where are you? You know, in that moment, shame entered earth. When we do things that we regret or wish we'd never done or wish we'd never said or wish we'd never engaged in, it can cause shame to come into our life. And so we hide. Rather than being excited about going into the secret place to spend time with our God, we hide from Him. But I want to tell you that just like God did in that garden, he took an animal and he spilt its blood. He killed it so that that blood was able to wash them and to cover them. And then he took that clothes. It was the first leather and fur outfit that had ever been designed on planet Earth. And he covered them up. 
He covered their nakedness. He covered their shame because that's what our God does. And he did it through Jesus for you and I. He came to the cross and died a once for all time sacrifice so that every sin, every shame, every regret, all the stuff, all the yuck would be covered by his blood, would wash you whiter than snow for love covers a multitude of sins. That's what God has done for you and he doesn't need to die again. He has died once for all time to cover it all. So just like he did in the garden, so that Adam and Eve would not have to hide from him, Jesus has come and done it for you and I. God does not want you to hide from him. He is saying, come into the secret place on the way to work. Start talking to me. Spend time with me in your lunch break at home at the end of the day. Get around the time of prayer and spend time talking to me because I have covered it all. He sees everything. And despite what he sees, he chooses to lean into you. He chooses to love on you despite knowing not just what you have done, but what you are thinking about, what you have done, what you are doing, what you will do. He still chooses to lean in and to love on you. So stop avoiding the secret place. God would say to you today and come in to the secret place, boldly enter the throne room and spend time with your dad. Where are you? If that statement hurts you today, there's two things that I want to draw out of that. Number one, let it draw you closer in but let it also encourage you that you actually do really want to spend time with Jesus. If you have a desire to spend time with him, if you feel bad about not spending time with him, then be encouraged by that feeling. Don't let it cross over to condemnation. Let it be convicting and let it draw you in to spending time with Jesus. That's what he wants. Just let it make you want it more. Like when you haven't caught up with someone in a while that you really like, what do you do? Like you put extra effort into the booking. You ring up, you make sure that place is going to be open and you check the menu out and you make sure it's got all the stuff that not only you're going to like, but they're going to like it. And and you put the extra effort into making sure that it's going to be a great catch up because you miss them. So lock it in, pull your phone out, date with Jesus, 11 p.m. every night, make a cuppa, go into the secret place and talk to Jesus. He wants to spend that time with you. The reality of it is that if you're not, you obviously want something else more. You don't love God as much as you love the world. You don't love God as much as you love the stuff. My second point this morning is to do this, to humble yourself, purify your hearts, and wash your hands. James chapter 4, verse 7 to 8 says this, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. 
you don't want to spend time with God because you are enjoying spending time with other things too much. Jeremy, can I get you to come to the stage just up here? You see, for my illustration, this is God. If I walk away, if I get distracted, busy at work and doing stuff and, oh, I've got this going on and, and this and, oh, I don't, I don't know. And we start to get further away from our relationship with God. God hasn't moved. God never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's there. But as we come close to God, is God coming close to me? You see, it takes us to repent, to turn around, to come back and to spend time with God. But I think it's even more than that. Just follow me behind me. Because God's always there, always present, goes through everything with us. You know, we're over here and we're struggling with this going on. Then we're over here and this is happening. It's like, God, where are you? Where are you? He's right here. He's never left us, never forsakes us, always there, ever present. He loves us. You know, God's willing to go through everything that you go through. And He's not just willing, He does. Because love endures all things. Thank you. You don't want to spend time with God because you're enjoying spending time with other things. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever." What is the love of the Father? Jesus. His desire was to free us from shame. It's the cross. The cross proves to us that he desired to free us from all the shame. John 3, 16 to 17 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. What does the cross mean to you? Has it become a Christian symbol or is it a stake in the ground, a stake in your heart for all eternity to prove that Jesus would come and do absolutely everything that he could to remove all of the shame and all the sin and all the stuff and all of the yuck out of our lives and cover us and draw us in. It's proof that he loves you. It's proof that he loves humanity. What if we take the death of Jesus and then we add resurrecting power? What if we add to our resurrecting power the glory, the reward, the eternal reward, the everlasting love and the goodness and the blessing and the fun? And what if on top of all of that, we don't just add the rewards for the time to come, but we add the rewards for now as well? The cross, my friend, is the starting point for you and I. It's not the end. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 7 says, but God is so rich 
rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Church, you and I, we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. We have been restored. Your sin was pinned to the cross and it's still pinned there today. Jesus defeated the devil. He conquered it all. All your shame, all your mistakes, all the stuff, it's already been conquered. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't give in to your flesh. Don't put yourself on a street of choice. And if you have to be on a street that has a choice, be there with another brother. Be there with another believer. Be there with another sister. Don't go down the street of choice. Don't even put yourself on the street of choice because if you're on the street of choice by yourself, then you're already at that front door and you're already being welcomed in and you're already going down into the dungeon and you're already being overcome with the sin. Don't give in to the enemy. Do not let the enemy entice you away. He does not deserve you. He's done nothing for you. Nothing. He didn't die for you. He hates you. He would love to take you out. He would love to destroy your future. He would love to ruin all the things that you are working on. That's the desire of your enemy. Don't give in to him. Don't listen to his lies. Don't listen to the enticing. Don't do it. He roams around roaring like a lion. It's like when I come home. It's like this crazy, massive guard dog inside. <laughs> and then I open the door and my little, my little dash is like... <laughs> starts squealing and peeing all up the hallway and so excited to see me and I get to get the spray and wipe out every night and clean the floor. But that's who the devil is. Says he roars like a lion. So he sounds big, but he's just an annoying little yapping chihuahua. Sorry if you like chihuahuas. But he's not a lion, is he? And he's not the lion. There's another that is the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus, and he's bigger and greater than it all. See, the enemy, he can try, but he's not going to win. My last point is this, no matter what? Go into the secret place. Humble yourself. Come to Jesus. No matter what. Now, I love the story of the woman with the alabaster jar. She did not care what anyone would think of her. She did not care who was in the room. She was going to find Jesus and spend some time with him. He was, he was in a room filled with, with all different people, all the disciples and people in a crowd and all the important religious leaders of the day. And this woman is like, despite all of this, despite what I think they're going to think about me, despite what I know they know about me, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. 
I love the story of the woman with the alabaster jar. She comes in and she knows how much she has been forgiven and all she desires is to have a moment with Jesus. And she pours it out on his feet. She pours it out on, her, on his head. She starts to cry all over his feet and to wash them and then dry his feet with her hair. A depth and level of intimacy that she was willing to display with Jesus Despite it all, no matter what, she was going to find Jesus and spend time with him. I love the response of Jesus. He not only defends her, he not only allows it to take place, but he then champions her. He said, this is going to be preached about for all time to come and I'm preaching about it this morning. I love that in that moment, Jesus answers the thoughts of the people in the room and says, whoa, 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 let me tell you a story. And he starts to defend the act of intimacy of this woman. I love that he even allowed it. I love that he... He allows a prostitute to come into a, a, a dinner moment. And he allows her to weep over his feet and to pour perfume over him, to wash his feet and to dry his feet with her hair. I love that Jesus allowed that to take place. It's not about him. It was about her. That's who Jesus is. It's not about him. It's about you to come into the secret place. I love the woman with the issue of blood, had tried everything else, knows that Jesus is the one that's able to do it despite what people might think of her, despite the rules and the regulations. She pushes through the crowd to get close to Jesus. Just one moment with Jesus can cause miracles to take place in your life. You only need to touch the hem of his garment to see something happen. And I love the response of Jesus. Who touched me? Who touched me? I want to know who drew power out of me. I want to know because I want to encourage you. I want to spend time with you. I love the story of the man on the cross. He's hanging there and all he desires is not even to be with Jesus, but to just be remembered by him. Jesus says, well, 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 no, no, no. That's not good enough for me. I don't want to just have me as a memory in your life. I want you with me for all eternity. And so in the last dying breath of that man's life, life, Jesus turns and says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. I love the response of Jesus. I love the story of Zacchaeus, where, where Zacchaeus is like, man, no one likes me. Everybody hates me. I, 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 I'm just a, a, a sinner of sinners. I, I, no one would even want to give me the time of day, but I know I know Jesus. I've been hearing about Jesus. Oh, man, I've I got to see him, but, but I can't because I'm never going to get to the front of the crowd. And, and, I'm going to climb the tree. I'm going to find the road he's walking in on. I'm going to climb a tree and I'm going to sit up on that branch just to get a glimpse of Jesus. But I love the response of Jesus. Jesus comes to that place, comes through that town, walks down that road, looks up that tree, knows him by name already before meeting him and calls out to the Zacchaeus, come down because I want to spend tonight with you. See, we think that just a glimpse of Jesus is enough and just to, just to 
see Jesus, well, maybe that's good enough for me. But God is saying to us today, no, that's not what I want. I don't want you to just see me. I want to dine with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. So Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house tonight. I love the response of Jesus. Go into the secret place. Humble yourself. Purify your heart. Wash your hands. No matter what. I get the band to come back, please. My last thought for us today is this. That we pray because we get to pray. And not that we just get to spend time with our dad. But think of the prayers that we get to pray. Think of the things that you are allowed, and not just allowed, but encouraged to pray. Think of the things that you are encouraged to declare. To declare over your body. To declare over your family. To declare over your home. To declare over your workplace, to declare over your finances, to declare over your dreams and visions and passions, to declare over the people around you. Think of the prayers that we get to pray. That we get to pray to someone who hears and acts. That we get to pray prayers like, son, stand still. We don't have to think about how that might affect the whole rest of the world because we know that our God is big enough to take care of the rest. He can keep it all in order because He's the one that made it. And so you and I, we get to pray, Son, stand still. We get to say to this mountain, move. We get to say to this dead thing, rise up and live and breathe again. We get to say to deaf ears, open and hear. We get to say to the lame, get up and walk. You and I get to pray prayers, which is one of the most incredible gifts that you and I have access to. You can say to the thing that you're struggling with inside of your body, I am healed because it's by His stripes that I am healed every sickness and every disease. You can speak to it and you can see it shift. You can walk into an atmosphere and see it change. Church, you and I get to pray. You get to go to work early. You get to walk around the whole office and lay your hand on every single chair before anyone else gets there. They're going to be saved in Jesus' name. This one's going to have breakthrough in their marriage. This one's going to have the promotion that they've been waiting for. There is going to be breakthrough in my workplace. My bosses are going to know that it's better to have me here because I'm a believer and I'm a child of God. You get to get to the construction site early and walk around the outside of that site and that property and start to lay hands and start to declare the goodness of God, start to speak in tongues and start to take authority over that place. You get to pray when you get to the school line and you can walk up behind in Jesus' name. Praying for those parents who are dropping their kids off in Jesus' name. You get to pray. You get to pray on the pillow of every bed in your home that they're going to have peaceful sleeps because God gives good rest to His beloved. You get to pray over your food in the lunch break room. You get to pray in front of the people around you so that they know that there is someone that they can talk to, so that they know that there is someone out there that that they can lean into and lean on, that that there is someone out there that, that life is worth living for. You get to pray. 
Church, you and I get to pray. Come on, who made you, who designed you, who created you, who loves you, who holds the very next breath of life in your hand. His name is Jesus. He's the most ever present. He is the one who loves us the most, who will always love us the most. He's the most invested in your story. Come on, church, do you want to produce much fruit? Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. Spend time with me and you will produce much fruit. Don't chase the fruit. Just spend time with Jesus and you watch that fruit start to grow in your life. The things that you're struggling with in your mind, in your body, you watch it start to be destroyed. The things that you're dreaming about, the things that you want, you start to watch it unlock and open up for you. Church, today I want to encourage you that what you can do with the power of prayer is incredible. What you can do in the secret place is a beautiful intimacy. So it is my desire this morning, my encouragement to encourage you no matter what go into the secret place, no matter what spend time with Jesus, gather worship, read pray, spend time with Him and watch what is on your life start to come to its full fruition, would you stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to bring this to a close. I also want to say this to you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Stay strong. Stay committed. Can I tell you this morning that the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you choose to water it. So start to invest into your relationship with God. Start to water the things that really matter. Start to water God. Start to water others and you will see the greenness that you have been desiring. Be encouraged this morning to live free. Recognize the power of the cross. and Do what God has called you to do. Let your life glorify Him. Pray bigger prayers. Spend time with Him. Let your love for the people around you, show them God. Let your lips, what you say, show the people around you the goodness of God. Speak it out so that even you hear it, so that you can start to stand in faith again for the things that you know you need to see happen in your story. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to be humble, to purify our hearts, to wash our hands and to go in to the secret place. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to spend time with you. Lord, that we would not be afraid of you. Lord, that we would not be ashamed of the things that we have done, but Lord, that we would recognize that you have covered it all. Lord, that you are beckoning to us to boldly come in to the throne room, to boldly run in to the arms of a loving Father. Oh Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to spend time with you. Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves right now and as our helper, we ask for help. Help us to spend time with God. In Jesus' name.
Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, church. Why don't you start to pray to Him right now? Why don't you start to lift your voices? Let's worship Him. Let's sing that song, please. Faith, let's just spend a moment with Him right now together in this place. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Come on, worship Him this morning. Come on, more of Him. Father, this morning I ask, Lord, that you would give us the impetus to break the issues in our life. Lord, that you would give us the tenacity to rise up and to fight the sin that is lurking within us. God, that you would help us to not give in. But Lord, every time we make a mistake, Lord, every time we slip up, Holy Spirit, remind us that he has covered it all. That Jesus spoke the words, it 
is finished. So Holy Spirit, today, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, this week, I pray that you would help us to start to form and build a habit of spending time with you. From the moment we wake to the last moment of consciousness before we fall to sleep, Jesus, that we would talk to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, church. I pray that encourages you today that you don't need to hide from your God because He's already seen it all anyway. So spend time with Him. In the cool evening breeze, just set up a moment in your day that you would enjoy talking to Jesus. If it's over breakfast, your coffee and your oats sprinkled on top of that yogurt, flick the Bible open, just read it and spend time with Jesus. If it's on the way to work in the car, just spend time with Jesus. If it's in the lunch break, be bold, pray over your food. Thank God for the blessing in your life. And watch your work colleagues start to come to you when they need something. If it's a home around the dinner table, thank Jesus for all the blessings. Encourage those at your table to thank Him for all that they have. In the cool evening breezes, before you go to bed, before you start nodding off on the couch, spend time with Jesus. Turn off the stuff and engage with Him. Grab your favorite person. Just go into the room and start to pray together and spend time with Jesus. Wake up five minutes earlier and spend time with Jesus. Because this is what I'll encourage you. You won't get to that place where you say, oh, I have to pray for an hour. You'll get to that place where you've been talking to him all day long and you've been loving it. Remember, you get to pray some of the most incredible prayers, knowing that the weight of heaven will flow behind those words and into what you are declaring out of your mouth. Church, God bless you. I love you. I hope that helps you.